very good evening to you wherever you may be. Welcome to another edition of the Orient Hour. It's a, a legend special, not one, but two legends in the studio. We'll be speaking soon to Steve Castle and to Terry Howard. Good evening again, wherever you may be. I hope you've had a good day. It's Thursday. It's just after 7 o'clock. We're live from the Brentwood Leisure Centre here on Phoenix FM. And uh, joining me this evening, our panel, Darren Burrows, Barry Galvin, Steve Castle and Terry Howard. And they've been... Terry and Steve have been laughing all the way through the intros here, so I hope they're going to keep order. I uh, <laughs> hope we're going to have a, a steady show tonight. But Darren, let's just cast our man back, uh, first of all, to Saturday. And uh, a pretty tricky match it wasn't a very good match to really watch was it the 1-1 draw um, with Macclesfield uh, springs to mind Andy with the goal conceded in the way the manner in which we conceded it with the game management I think left everyone the players probably no doubt more than us or certainly as much as us fans frustrated so yeah frustrating afternoon Saturday um, two points dropped I think it Puts in perspective when they then go and lose. I think in the in the week didn't they lose to Morecambe during the week? Mm-hmm. So yeah, not 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 the greatest, Andy. Uh, can we move on and talk about Tuesday's guy, <laughs> Barry? Your view on uh, Saturday's match? Yeah, it really was what what Darren said, wasn't it? You, I really couldn't see any other result. I mean, they parked the bus from from the, from kickoff, didn't they, uh, Macclesfield? And um, it was one of those frustrating games. We were on top early. We missed a hatful of chances, uh, if not a hatful, a spoonful. And then it just looked like we're going to frustrate us the whole game. And then having made the breakthrough, having got a decent goal, lovely ball by Craig Clay, great finish by James Brophy, you thought, OK, yeah, we've broken them down. They didn't like, like, look like scoring a month of Sundays, did they? And it was, it was a real shock. I mean, normally, being an Orient fan, even when you're one or two up, you're, oh, you know, well, you know we're going to give it away. But I was really confident that we'd, we'd see it out. I mean, because they, of how they, the game went, and we just—it was a real shock. Yeah, they to, looked like a see. side that had come for the point and, and oh, yeah. definitely got it. But it's Dan Steve to the home side to, to break them down, isn't it? But it's very hard. How hard is it really when they when everybody's back behind the ball? Yeah, it is hard, and um, you know, and, and, and obviously the the frustration, and obviously games that are not going their way or whatever. And um, but that's the time you just try and keep the ball, just wait for things to open up, and it's just a little bit of patience really needed. But uh, yeah. I mean, it's that thing that's been rearing its head all season. And you're, you're a manager yourself. So how frustrating it is for, for you as a manager when the side keep letting sucker punches? Yeah, well, hey, listen, it's human error at times, isn't it? And, you know, you, you try and try and keep things as basic as possible. And I think, you know, young pros, they always like to uh, show off slightly. And especially defenders will want to try and do things in the wrong areas. And, uh, you know... It, it, it costs and 
as I say, looking on coach's head, manager's head, whatever you, you you look at that, and you know if that ball's in Rose's head, it don't get it, you can't score, can you? I mean, disappointing goal, Terry, from a defensive point of view again. Yeah, I, I, as Steve said, there's always going to be an amount of human error. I mean, I, I think when I come over a couple of weeks ago, what what impressed me was when we went one nil up uh, in the game against Newport. We kicked on, and um, it's always difficult to know whether to stick or twist when you're in that position. And as Barry said, if the team don't look like scoring, Steve said you try and see the game game management. But they've just gone to sleep just for that moment. That's, that's all it takes. So let's move on to the Wednesday or Tuesday, rather. It was a, a far better um, performance overall, and the woodwork rattled a couple of times, Darren. And uh, for the most part, um, Orient in the driving seat and looking quite comfortable. I thought that, um, yeah, that they were certainly more in the ascendancy on, on Tuesday night. And, and I, I thought that there were times where we just needed to move the ball out a little bit quicker and have a little bit more composure on the ball, perhaps. But uh, no, I, I, I would agree with that. I thought, I thought uh, I have to be honest, I thought second half we were much better. Um, I thought the first half passed me by a little bit, if I'm honest. It, it won't live long in the memory. But the second half, I thought we, we did those things. We, we, we seemed to be getting at them a little bit better. And so when the goals came, I know the goal came in the first half, but I'll, I'll be honest, I think most probably have seen it back. I know Steve's just had a look back and would agree it, it was an awful error by the keeper. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, uh, you know, if, if I'm Mansfield, I'm being really disappointed at me. Uh, then my goalkeeper hasn't made much more of an effort than what's happened there. Um, but you take your, your good fortune when it comes. Terry? Um, yeah, I, I think what's good about Tuesday, we were the better side. It wasn't a, a vintage performance, but got the job done this time. And, you know, I think that's one defeat in six for us since since he took over like, uh, full-time. So, you know, that, that little bit of uh, continuity seems to be coming. I mean, frustrating that we drew in Macclesfield. But then they come, they turn up on Tuesday and, and, you know, I think if anyone said four points out of six within two games, you'd have took it. I mean, they had a bit of bad luck where they've hit the woodwork twice in quick succession in the first half, but then they had a little bit of luck, didn't they, with uh, Dayton's shot? Yeah, I mean, it's, it looked a strange guy. I don't, it's a bit of a question mark against the keeper there. I'm, I'm not too sure what he was... <laughs> I was going to say, you think he had a seat all to himself on the way home? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, I'm not too sure how he's managed to let that one slip through, but... You know, maybe we weren't getting them little bits of luck you needed early in the season when when on the bad run. You know, it seems to go hand in hand. You get that little bit of luck when you are playing a bit better. Yeah, and they got the setback again, Barry. But uh, had had the news to come back from that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not defending Lesnik for that first goal, but I haven't seen it a couple of times. I think he took a slight deflection. I think that's what I'm. I'm maybe I've been a bit bit uh, kind soon now, but <laughs> it was still a horrendous error. And I think even for the second goal, or he wasn't in a great position for the second goal. He's gone over his head from there. Uh, the cross is coming, uh, resulting in an own goal. And I think that was my first, by the way. I think I didn't, We on the gantry, wasn't sure who got the final touch, whether it had gone straight in from Jordan Maguire's Drew cross or if Lee Angle, I mean, Lee Angle didn't celebrate, so the clue was he hadn't scored. So we had to look it back on the uh, on the monitors to say, and obviously you don't, you don't announce own goals, do you? So I think I got it right at least. But yeah, I think we were, we had a bit of fortune, but we were def- definitely the better side. And we've seen so many times this, this season where we haven't had any fortune. So obviously there was a lot of people on Saturday saying, well, we'll take that. We were, you know, overall we were the better side. We were the better side against Macclesfield. Um, and we've said a lot in, um, in interviews up in the 1881 suite with Ross and Martin. And they're not being apologetic for Orient's uh, position in the league because, you know, we are not where we thought we might be. Maybe five or six places below where we, most people thought we may be. But he said that we have been competitive in, in, in every game as far as he's concerned, apart from the Swindon one and I think the Plymouth one. 
in every other game we've been competitive even when we've lost the match even when we've ended up on the wrong side of a one goal defeat it's normally a narrow defeat so that they feel that they do belong, belong in this league you know there's no such thing as a false position we know that because you get the points that you get but it's good that we are at least competing in, in those matches that we're losing and um, you, your fortune does turn as we saw on Tuesday night Well it's a, it's a tight division Steve isn't it when you look at the table now when Orient getting uh, four points from the last six they're now just three points off of 11th place Salford and Salford have spent and spent and spent so a lot of positives Yeah you know uh, I just look at you know sort of a club that I worked for only a couple of years ago uh, Stevenage just within their academy and you know they're really struggling you know, you thought you know your Macclesfield would have been the ones that would would go, but uh, um, no. I mean, you know, a couple of wins. I think as Terry's just said there, you know, sort of two home games, four points, not the worst thing in the world, you know. And you back that up with the, a resounding victory against one of your nearest opponents in in Stevenage, then I think it's probably been a good month, really. Um, all in all, do you think Ross is settling into the job now that he's been made full time? Yeah, it's hard for me to tell because obviously, you know, I'm real outsider, not following it as uh, as probably as insistently uh, uh, as you guys are. But uh, no, from from a distance, you, you you look at it and you know it's, uh, it's it's not been easy for for anyone that's been involved over the last few months um, for for obvious reasons. And uh, you know, I think uh, whoever's put themselves up to to face it has, has been a brave person, and, and Ross is that person. So I think he just needs that little bit of patience from us all um, you know it's all we're all very very quick to you know get that negative one and bring someone else in but is that always the case I think sometimes just uh, you know people that you know and, and making sure that that's that that's probably a smooth road is it is, is the best best way just on so just on Ross there I think what's nice for him there I think it's a 16 point cushion to Stevenage isn't it yeah so for him, the rest of the season, he can develop as a manager now. You know, it, it, this is it's brought me a little bit of breathing space. You know, there was a few fans getting on his back. You know, okay, understandably in one in one sense. But as you say, Steve said, you need a little bit of patience from the supporters. And I think he's bought that little bit of time now. So for the rest of this season, although they're not clear yet, I, I find it hard to see Stevenage getting six, doing 16 points better than Orient from here on in. So I think it's a chance for Ross to, to sort of, you know, really put his marker down now without that little bit of pressure on him, which should see him be a little bit more confident. Mm. Do, you, do you think there's obviously been a change of staff? With the, we can't go into details, but Danny Webb, obviously the club, have made a statement that mm. uh, he's left the club. So that leaves Ross now with a chance to put his own people behind him. And we know that uh, Dean's working very closely with him. Do you think that gives him a chance to grow, as you say, that he's got some of his own choices perhaps um, around him yeah definitely I mean the, the thing is you know the, the thing about Justin that's always going to be that's, that's never going to go completely away but I think I think what it seems to me there seems to be people moving on a little bit from it now the if you look at the players within the team I think there's four five six of them that, that weren't here when Justin was here so they've not got that sort of emotional emotional baggage if you like you know um, so and as I say I've sort of noticed a little bit Ross I think he's he's sort of come out of him I think he's he's stepped out of the shadow a little bit recently and results have kind of backed that up I think yeah I think once he's sort of relaxed into the role I think he was putting pressure perhaps on himself Darren earlier on it's going to do that uh, Andy aren't they and when you add into the fact that the man's a fan I think that 
magnifies it. And I certainly, I think it would anyone. So I think with Ross, I, what I've been impressed with, and I, I hang on his every word as a, as a bit of a, a huge fan, as we all are. Um, and, and every interview he does, I think it gets better. And I, I still feel that even now. I'm listening now thinking, oh, you're improving still. Oh, you're improving. He takes time over his words. He chooses his words carefully. He uses his words wisely. So I, I, I personally, you know, I, I think we're in a good space with Ross. I think Terry's hit the nail on the head because we've got people like Hector Caprioni now who we can perhaps get in the team a little bit more and see a little bit more of. And, and Terry's right. With 16 points, you're right. We're not. We're not. We're out of this now. Let's be honest. Yeah, I hope Graham West is not listening. But if he is... Yeah, good luck, because we, we, we were pretty good on the day, but they were woeful, Stevenage. And that was the difference. You could say it was a big gulf. So, no, I, I think on Ross, I think the fans are singing his name. I understand what Terry's saying about, you know, a few, but there's not a lot of it on Twitter, on social media. Or there's a bit. But the majority of fans, I think, are really hoping and feel that Ross has got got a bit between his teeth and can take us forward. I don't think it's so much the, the 16 points with Stevenage, Steve. It's the fact there's a, now a cushion of clubs in between the two sides as well. So there's quite a lot of traffic underneath Orient now. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, the wins are going to just do that. I mean, the, the, the three points week in, week out are just going to help. Um, and I think it will make the whole club be a little bit more calmer, you know, and uh, and, and like really probably have one eye on next season. Um, but you know, the, the pressure can come off just that little bit, and and, and hopefully the, 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 a little bit more full flow, uh, full flowing football. I mean, you're you're quite uh, attached to the club, Barry. But uh, do you see Ross growing uh, week by week? Yeah, Ross actually comes up most weeks if it's not Ross it's Martin but most weeks Ross comes up at 2 o'clock and does an interview with me in front of the, the, um, the guys in the 1881 suite who are dining and I think that's tremendous I really do because most home managers don't want to do that they hide away for whatever reason they might be in the zone elsewhere but he comes up and talks to everyone that's there and, and as we've been doing it he's yeah like, like, like Darren said you can see every week he's getting a bit more confident um, and he says he, he has said he feels like it's his team now, you know. And that's so that's just time that's done that, you know. Everyone knows he was friends with Justin, um, you know. And it, uh, the tragedy that happened, time, it, as you said, it will never be forgotten, and it'll always be just Justin Edinburgh stand as it should be. But because that time has now elapsed, where he was just standing in, now it's he's the manager, which the, and that's no disrespect, obviously, to Justin or anybody around him. It's just that now he feels that it's his team rather than the team he's just taken over. And I think that's uh, that, that, that's telling now, as we've, we've all just said. And Stevenage match, Darren, you were there, weren't you? Yes, yeah. yeah. My favourite chant from the Stevenage match, and I'm not a fan of Mr Wesley, like, I don't think you are, was when we were was, we was ch- uh, chanting Wesley out, Wesley out, and then that changed to Wesley in, Wesley in, when we realised that we were beating them 3-0. No, I think there, was a, there, was a, there was a better one at the end, Barry. Um, <laughs> the lad Kemp that we were... Um, oh, Dan Kemp. Yeah, he... he Went to chose Stevenage over us. I'm led to believe. Yes, I don't know if that's true or not. But he definitely is at Stevenage. So when he was doing his warm down at the end, uh, guys, he was running over to us, and we we all started singing "Should a Sign for the Orient." So uh, that that was uh, <laughs> and 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 their their, uh, their PA guy who does the same job to you was wandering around in the worst suit, even worse the suits I've seen you wear. Really? So, yeah, I, I, it's hard well, to believe. I, I am his um, I am his uh, sartorial advisor, so that's, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the best chance you've ever heard? Going off script, Andy, what's the you best are. chance you've ever heard on the, on the terraces? Do you want to, anyone want to chime in with that? I've got one if you want one. Go on then. It, it may be a common one, I don't know, but when we were playing Yeovil a few years back and the guy over the bell, do you remember the guy who used to turn up with a, 
with a bell, and we I'm literally from from first minute he's ringing the bell, he's just ringing the bell, ringing the bell, ringing the bell, and we went one nil, two nil up, and he's still ringing the bell. It was two one, he's ringing the bell. It was three one to us, he's ringing the bell. Four one, we went up, he stopped, and then from the south stand. You're not ringing anymore. <laughs> You're not ringing anymore, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I, I, what I'd be interested to know is if Steve or Cherry have been in a game where a chance actually sort of caught their ear and made them sort of laugh or giggle. Or have you ever had a moment, lads, where you've been in a game? I where can that? tell you one that was good when Steve had his little running with the pizza thing and we played <laughs> South End. <laughs> And Stevie scored in front of him, didn't you? Yeah. Oh boy, did we enjoy that. I tell yeah. you what, yeah, he slung one in, that was great. We've had more questions about the pizza. Yeah. I wasn't going to mention it. 17 gonna minutes in, Steve. Yeah, You've got 17 minutes into the show. And all the gags, will he get panned over it and all his business? But, um, <laughs> never we'll, come, we'll come to a point later on when we talk to Steve about discipline. <laughs> you know we do pizza deliveries at half-time now, Steve. You know that, don't you? Well, I can't run yeah. anywhere anyway. <laughs> the knees have gone. I'll tell I'm you what, before, before we um, get into a long chat with Steve and Terry about their memories, um, this is where it gets a bit technical for me, so it could all go horribly wrong. Steve Tung's been to the training ground and he's uh, had a, an interview this week with uh, Joby that was recorded just before um, Tuesday's match. So, to bring us up to date on uh, affairs with Joby Mac enough. So if I press the right buttons, it should work, and we'll find out. It should do, anyway. There's your answer. Um, back on the pitches, running and um, doing a lot of functional stuff, a bit of ball work. Um, had a really good week last week, so just step it up again this week. Um, and, yeah, so far, so good. Don't want to jinx anything. It's been a frustrating period a lot of um, stopping and starting and false dawns really so hopefully this one is um, carries on going well and you know I can get back out there at, at some point fairly soon so before the end of the season you yeah that's certainly the target we've been working towards obviously had an operation uh, the second one in November um, which there was sort of a, a 12 to 16 week uh, recovery rehabilitation program um, so yeah, we sort of that probably take me towards the end of February if all goes well. Um, hopefully, get back involved with the boys' training um, by then, and then hopefully, yeah, get back out there in some capacity at some point before the end of the season. And as you say, without the coaching work, I guess it would have been a, a pretty dreadful few months, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think um, you know that certainly helped me through what's been a, a difficult period. You know, I've never been injured as long as this, and I think if you know you're out for six months or whatever it is you can kind of deal with it mentally but again it's always been a couple of months and then hopefully another couple of months so again that stop start's not been easy but I've certainly had um, you know other aspects to focus on this year and I've really enjoyed being a part of the coaching staff and it's certainly taken my mind off you know the injury at times and allowed me to focus on on that. And how does it work on a normal training day fitting in your own sort of preparations with the coaching yeah I mean look, the coaching is taking a priority obviously in terms of um, you know what we need in terms of the boys and coaching wise um, and then I work around that in terms of the individual stuff so for today example we've done the, the stuff with the lads got them all prepped which again is the most important thing and then I'll go out this afternoon and, and do my work all right, and you had a game, I think, against Wimbledon last week. That effectively a reserve game that you were actually in charge of, weren't you? How did that work? Yeah, it was good. Um, really enjoyed it. Obviously, I've been part of of that side of things with with Danny Webb um, this year. So, um, obviously, 
to take it was was nice actually it was quite funny because obviously starting out against Wimbledon a, a long long time ago um, you know you never know where that journey is going to lead you so um, yeah again we had a real good mix of lads some senior pros who were really really good um, you know mixed with some younger boys which again um, it's really great to see them coming through and you know I'm a big advocate of, of players coming through academy systems and, and getting in first teams and being given opportunities anyway whether it's up to them then to, to prove they're good enough um, and that's certainly something as a club we we like to be a part of and um, yeah it was good I really enjoyed it really enjoyed it and you won most important thing yeah I was thinking I might have to retire with a 100% record uh, as many managers that can claim that but uh, no as I say it was um, yeah nice it was a, a, say, a good day all round I think everyone got something out of the day and that's the main thing really did you decide some time ago that when you did have to finish that coaching would be what you'd look to do yeah I think it's always something um I've been interested in, um, you know, certainly the coaching stroke management route is, is um, something I've wanted to explore and it's probably come, I want to say sooner, but obviously my intention was to play first and foremost this year. Obviously things and, and circumstances have altered that, um, I suppose, the direction slightly and probably thrown me into it a little bit quicker than... Um, I was probably envisaging at the end of last year, put it that way, but it's been great experience and you know it's allowed me to really get a an inner look at this side of life and um you know certainly enjoying it, yeah. Having played for seven or eight clubs, you must have come across a good few managers and coaches with one or two you could pick out who'd inspired you particularly. Yeah, easily I say easily. I've I've been very fortunate to work with some some real good ones, um, you know, from Growing up, um, you know, at Wimbledon and even going back to sort of my reserve team and youth team coaches that were really good with us and, and really helped us on that that journey. Really, uh, Stuart Robson was was one of my my youth team coaches, um, ex Arsenal, West Ham. Um, real enthusiasm and a desire to, to come in every day and um, do as as well as he could and, and and us. So that really instilled a lot of good beliefs and qualities in in myself and those around me Brendan Rodgers of course in terms of you know top top level um, coaching um, that was at Watford wasn't it that was at Watford and then Reading he came for a little bit um, Ian Dowie was brilliant really enjoyed working with him Brian McDermott um, you know of course Justin um, there's been loads man I've, I've been very very fortunate in that respect and I think doing the coaching now gives me even a greater respect for them guys because you see how much goes into every training session I think as a player sometimes you go out there and you know you don't take that um, I suppose the detail you take for granted and you know when you're coaching or planning sessions it's it's, it's constant man so uh, again it's given me probably even a, a higher opinion of those guys than I had already and how does it work actually on a match day down in the technical area um, two or three coaches down there and goalkeeping coaches are you chipping in to, to Ross and, and advising and so on? Yeah, Ross is very open um, you know, clearly he'll see the game his way um, you know, throughout the game there might be little things that uh, we can see that might help the team whether it be tactically whether it might be individually um, and then, of course, there's decisions to be made, whether it be substitutions and you know what we feel can help the game, personnel. Um, so I'd say it was a quite a fluid process down there. Of course, the final say is always with Ross, and once he's made a decision, um, but he will obviously ask for our opinions, and you know we'll try and 
guide him, I suppose, as best we can. Um, but again, ultimately, the, the buck stops with him, and um, you know he'll take the information on board to try and come up with the, the best decision to help the team. Sometimes looks from up in the stand as if you're the uh, slightly more calm one talking to that fourth official while Ross is uh, a bit more voluble. It can get quite intense down there, can't it? Yeah, man, I, I think they've got a really hard job, I'll be honest. And I think the biggest problem for them is some of the referees um, who, again, without going into too much detail, are not always as good as we would probably like them to be. But for me, that's a fact of life. And, you know, the more we... I won't say moan about it. Sometimes you can alienate them a little bit. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably try to talk to them and, and give us, you know, or give them our opinions um, in a slightly different way, I suppose. But um, yeah, you just try and get them on side as much as you can. And again, people are going to make mistakes. I've got no problem with a referee making a decision as long as he holds his hands up. Or the fourth official at times this year, we had a really good one actually recently against Stevenage, a female who was brilliant and just. Um, you know, if there was a mistake made, she wouldn't scared to say, "Look, I've probably seen it the way you've seen it," and it just disarms you straight away. And then it's just like, "All right, fair enough. He's made a mistake. We've all made them. Not an issue." It's kind of when they try and back the referees up <laughs> over decisions that we all know are wrong. That obviously the frustration builds. And again, I don't think sometimes they quite grasp the magnitude of what one decision could do and affect whether we get three points or you know the pressure that comes with trying to win games at this level. Um, so again it's very easy to get um, heated and it's just I suppose my job to try and keep things as settled as they can I don't know if you remember it's exactly a year ago this week up at Hartlepool that um, you got the goal in a 1-1 draw and then we lost at home and got knocked off the top it was becoming a very tense period yeah. wasn't it but I, I was going to say maybe it's a bit more relaxed this year but I don't suppose at 3 o'clock on a Saturday or on a Tuesday night it feels very relaxed does it? No not at all I think there's always pressures, there's always expectations, there's always um, a desire to to want to win games and want to do well. Um, and certainly for us, off the back of last year, we were a team that was used to winning games. And again, that's been a slight adjustment this year, dealing with the more ups and downs. You know, we haven't been able to put a consistent run together, which has been disappointing. And obviously there's a lot of feelings that come off the back of that, a lot of disappointments when we haven't won a game. And then, you know, you get a little high when you have won one. So sort of controlling that and um, trying to maintain a, a perspective has, has been a challenge this year. Um, I think with everything that has happened and, you know, I can't um, overstate that enough, you know, the effect of, of the summer's events, I think, has, has really had a, um, you know, it was a massive, massive blow, of course, it still is. And I think in time, you know, from our point of view, if we can just stabilise this year, which was always the goal, of course, we wanted to get up, we wanted to be competitive. Um, but I think if we can just give ourselves a platform to work from from now to the end of the season, obviously moving forward, then I think all things considered, it um, won't be a bad season. Well, we hope you have a role to play in it anyway. So thanks for your time anyway. Pleasure, no problem. Well, that was uh, Joby McEnough there talking with uh, Steve Tong earlier this week. And thanks to Steve for uh, making his way to the training ground to record that for us. Um, good news in a way, Barry, of course, is that uh, Joby's planning on being back this season. Yeah, it's saying it seems an age since we saw him on a pitch, doesn't it? And then, you know, he was he was invaluable to us when he was out there in the national league. He's certainly a, a class act, and he? he's a class player. You can see, um, and it would be great to have him back. Be an asset to the club to have him back and training. I think uh, maybe I was the only one thinking that he'd quietly retired. 
and that he wasn't going to come back, but his, his ambition is to do that. I think he's 37, 38? 38, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, it's, it is an ask, obviously, to come back at age, but he, he keeps himself super fit. Yeah, he so won't be the yeah. oldest player to come back, but he, he should be certainly one No, I'm one still trying. Them. Because there was rumours, I think, and uh, Steve, you might remember, uh, that Amara Simba was older than uh, stated. Um, I think that the rumour was that Tommy signed him. He didn't know how old he was, Tommy Taylor. And I think they said he officially was about 38, but everyone said he's about 41. So well, you're, you're telling me Tommy Taylor was didn't do his homework <laughs> on, uh, on players. Oh. I'm not having that. <laughs> now, Steve, um, there's Joby there talking about long-term injury, and you've suffered quite a few injuries in your time, with, especially with random kneecaps and things. And um, how frustrating is it for you as a player to be out and sidelined? And you know, it's as frustrating as you can get, really. I mean, you know, I don't think in my football career I actually had played a full season. You know, whether it was a, a knee, an ankle, shoulder, whatever, um, it is. It does go with the territory, um, especially probably the way I played, which was a bit reckless. So that's a bit of an understatement. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, like sort of, they do mesh with your head, uh, and long-term injuries, especially. Um, I, t- I tell no. Uh, I have no shame in saying that. I feel that probably now looking back. At 23, when I didn't have any idea what was happening with my groins and my pelvis, and I was having injections in them, I was having stretches and going up to Chiswick on certain things, and it, it was it was depressing, and I think I was depressed, um, and so you know, and, and probably because you just don't have a way out, uh, the the isolation. Is, is is tremendously bad really and you know yeah go on go down the gym and go down the swimming pool and it could be a really luxurious gym and swimming pool and you can be doing you know you can have an, having a laugh with the lads but you're out of it you yeah. know and I think probably one of the biggest things in my career was and my most biggest disappointment especially while I'm I'm here talking about Leighton Orient is me coming back uh, and basically being injured from the moment I came back um, you know, I, I done my knee at Wembley for Peterborough. Uh, as a full, I stayed on, and I'd already done my cartilage in the uh, in the training uh, um, in the training before in the morning. Uh, but I didn't tell no one. I just ju- dropped a few anti-inflammatories because I wasn't going to miss Wembley um, and come out and uh, and knee operation. Tried to come back. Tommy, bless him, he did sign me and. It was a waste of time for both me, Tom, the club, and uh, and, and and I feel out of the great times that I've had at Leighton Orient, that is one massive low that I can I can honestly be speaking about. I think you're being a bit harsh on yourself there because you came back and as you say you won 100, percent but you still was part of the side that got us to Wembley for another playoff final. So you know you you may not have by your own standards of. of you know, contributed what you wanted to contribute, but you did enough to get us over the line to the final. Yeah, that's very kind. Um, you know, I probably got a different perspective on that. I don't think I did as much as I could have done, and probably weren't as fit as what I could have done, and probably didn't feel at home like I always did at, at, at Orient for the for the first period of time, even my two loan periods. I felt um, that it was my home, and 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 I felt at ease. Um, but you know, sort of the amount of time I had out with the knee problem coming back, I think it was Barrow, I believe, in the first round of the of the cup, doing okay, thinking I was all part of it, and then me knee blew up, uh, me knee blew up to 
three times the size. So out for another three months. And yeah, I, as you say, I did get in and around the playoffs and played in the whole game, um, both the, the, the away and the home leg. And as you say, Matty Lockwood took over the thing. It was a fantastic night for the for the football club. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I see it for a slightly different eyes. But It's an interesting point that you've made, though, with the, the depression side of things. And I know you've done a lot of work with mental health uh, in the game and... Uh, you're very involved with all that. Um, and you don't, as I suppose, as an outsider, as us as supporters, realise that just an injury can make you feel so lonely and so isolated away from all the lads and all the camaraderie, if you like. And uh, so Joby's done well to cope uh, with his situation, though he's more involved, obviously, uh, daily with the, the, the um, coaching side of things. But for you, it was obviously a, a, a difficult time. So you're saying your mental health was actually affected by the fact you were injured? Definitely. Definitely, yeah. You know, and, and the, the whole status of not being involved, being out of it. Uh, I do remember the lads, and I think Tell's right next to me, is, and, and we would uh, uh, say this, that um, I think the lads went off to Portugal for a, for a tour and uh, obviously being injured, you know, having no part of it. And, you know, mm. quite rightly, the boys are coming back with their stories and what they've done and the, 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 uh, the games that they played and everything like that. And, yeah, you can put a smile on your face and you can sort of go, oh, yeah, that's great, and turn up for every Saturday game and a Tuesday game. But, you know, I defy anyone to, 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 to not get a low out of that. Terry, I mean, you, you didn't have too much bad luck with injuries, did you? No, I only had one season where I missed more or less all the season. I was very, very lucky. Um, but what Steve said is right. I, if I weren't in the side, whether, whether you're injured, dropped, whatever, I hated it because you don't feel you just don't feel part of it. You know, you, you can sit and laugh with the lads, whatever, but you just don't have that. Whatever it is, you know, you, you, I think you feel like. I'm, no, Steve, like I do, like uh, uh, sort of high stands he had, he'd actually feel like he'd let, he was letting himself down because he was injured. But he shouldn't feel like that because an injury is an injury. But when you keep picking up injury after injury, it's got to be soul destroying. And I know that one season I had, and like Steve, I, I played on an injury, which you shouldn't do because I just wanted to be out there. Yeah. You know, and, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Looking back now, we'd, we'd do things slightly different. And Stevie done well to go as long as he did with the injuries he had. But he, I'm sure he would have got even more longevity out of the game if, if probably he hadn't been so brave and or foolish when, we call it, when he was younger. Yourself, did you find yourself in a, a sort of depressive state as well when you were in, in the side? Or was it not something you, you registered, really? I don't... I, I'm not sure... I would say it was like a in, in a depre depressed state, but you do you know you just because you just want to play football, you know you just that's all you you know. Um, I, th I think sometimes in the modern game you question some of the players whether they really want to be footballers. You know, I, we just wanted to go out there. I mean, we we didn't earn what what they earn no. now. We earn decent money. Don't get me wrong, but you just wanted to, to go out and and play and um, and feel part of it, which you, you just don't quite do when when you're out the side. Do you think, Steve, that the whole recuperation situation nowadays is a, a more more careful for the player than it was? Do you think and when you were playing, it was just give them a quick jab and get them back out there, or or was there that you know people were actually concerned for your long term well being, if you like? Yeah, no, I mean you know there, there's some things you can uh, you can look at and you can argue about the modern day game. Um, you know, sort of the cheating and the the the, the, uh, 
the fouling and, and, and like, you know, sort of the cynicism that, that's coming with it. You know, I mean, it is a game of cheating, let's be honest. But I mean, like, sort of the, the care uh, that uh, lads are getting now is second to none, and it should be. You know, and Andy Edwards is a is a really good mate of mine, obviously, you know, very yeah. well known with, with, with Orient. And, and his frustration from not being a, uh, allowed to, to have lads to, to train and it was out of his hands as, as, as academy manager or even the manager. And the, the sports scientists and the physios just wouldn't let that happen. Well, that weren't in our day. And our day, and bless him, I love him to pieces, Bill. But if Frank Clark told <laughs> him he was fit, uh, I was fit, then I was fit. Yeah. And, and I only remember one instance that I think I was not bullied, that's the wrong word, but sort of like suggested that I could play and I had a virus and Ian Beasley went absolutely crazy. And he said, if that lad plays, he said, like, I'm walking out. And he said, uh, he, he, you'll, you'll kill him. And it was news to me because I was ready to put my boots on and sort of, oh, it's a cold and I'll, I'll get on with it. So just going back to nowadays with, with Joby and, and, and the lads, how they get looked after, it's right. It's right that they shouldn't come back unless they are 100% fit because the long-term uh, uh, deficits of that and, and, and the, the problems are, let's be truthful, you've got someone that you're looking at now and I can't walk very, very straight and, and I certainly can't run. You know, I've got an ankle problem that I need to get up. I've had a knee that's been doing there and, yeah, it yeah. is part of the trade. Now, would I, would I change it? Would I swap anything? Probably not. But the medical side of it has been improved, and so it should be really. I mean, that's a re-break your leg the other year, didn't they? And uh, reset it. it yeah, it was a re it was a knee reconstruction, and they just like put a load of scaffolding one side, and you know, yeah, I'm a building site, but uh, yeah, that's that's okay. But it, it, it's it's sort of not about me. We're just talking about the Overall, the recuperation yeah. of, of of lads now, and and the and the care that they get, and and that's right. You know, I mean, like, sort of my boy's up at Cambridge United and he's getting a cardiac screening next next week, just part of what is part of EPPP. Uh, and, and that is sound. You know, there's a lot of lads that might have a heart condition. Yeah. It's being flagged up now. Um, and so, you know, the tragedies that happen um, in, in professional football um, are hopefully being avoided. Yeah, well, I mean, we nearly had that uh, on the pitch at Orient, didn't we? Um, who was it from, from Oxford that we signed who had the heart problem? Uh, Andy Scott. Andy Scott, yes, yeah, Andy Scott. Yes, of course. It, it, I mean, Andy uh, pulled up, didn't he, during the match? He was running, going to run for the ball, and he thought something told him not to, not to run. I remember the game, yeah. and he, he, I remember saying to my pal standing next to me, I said, Andy Scott's having a nightmare. Yeah. He's really not at it today, and then it turned out and transpired. Yeah. But talking about your health, Steve, one of the things that I think um, they're starting to talk about now is the actual heading of the ball, and and the, I, I personally think it's only a matter of time before they do actually ban it. Um, maybe not in our lifetimes, I'll say a matter of time, but I think eventually they'll put the link. Well, it's a, a thing that's close to your your heart, and, and I suppose as well to you, Terry. I mean. Uh, I know you both, we, we checked with you beforehand, uh, don't mind talking about it, but you've both, fathers suffered with uh, Alzheimer's, or Steve's no longer with us unfortunately, and Terry's dad's got uh, Alzheimer's, both uh, former footballers themselves, and um, you've seen this coming in Scotland where they're going to stop the kids heading the ball, Steve, now, um, as Darren's hinted, are they going to ban it altogether, but 
How important is it, or do you think the modern ball is slightly different to what your dad and uh, his life yeah, played with? Yeah, but I think that might be just an easy excuse for you know the the old leather balls with the laces in and when it got wet and everything like that. But you know, you I, I do feel there's got to be some sort of legislation. Um, I do believe that sort of like a young mind uh, uh, or, or a young performing brain probably doesn't need to be heading it as much as what is suggested or whatever um, but you know so I think it might be a, an age limit on it really a little bit like I think the NFL um, or the American football I think they're very similar in that respect is it going to be eliminated I hope not I hope not that's going to really put uh, a dampener on a very very good game um, but you know the facts are that there's I think it's the 1966 uh, World Cup winners I don't know how, what the percentage of it but there's a lot of lads yeah. that and have either died from it or suffered from it as you say both Terry uh, Terry's dad and, and, and my dad you know both excellent footballers in their in their day um, yeah you know is that going to you know come down a generation I fear it might um, and, and it's not a <laughs> it's not something that I really particularly want to talk about, um, but it's uh, it, it, it's something that maybe does need to be looked at, um, but with a sensible common sense head, really. What would what, what they say to you? Because obviously it's a serious subject, the Alzheimer's uh, with the football link. Did, did they say anything to you as you're related and you're also a footballer? Did they say there's a higher risk to you or not? I, it's never been mentioned. It's just probably in my... Well, really negative well, head, mind. but yeah. you know, I, I've got to be honest. Obviously, you know, I've seen my dad in 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 a, in a home with 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 lads that haven't got a grey hair on their head, and they're they're two years younger than me, yeah. and that's really really sobering, you know. And I'm not saying they're involved in sport, it, it, you know. The 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 the, the, the female um, the females are a little bit more prone to it. I've I've heard. I mean, I haven't got any any evidence behind any of this but uh, you know I, I will look at sort of the, the older lads and uh, you know it's, it is such a shame um, how it's gone with that yeah I mean all, all three of us Terry you and myself I mean my, my dad went with it as well so it's a it's a it's a, an awful obviously an awful thing and uh, thanks very much for being so uh, honest about it let's move on shall we with some uh, happier things uh, we've got a lot of questions coming as you as you may imagine uh, Steve uh, really let's start with a bit of a softball one here from Hedman's header on the message board how nervous were you putting the ball on the spot against West Ham United in the FA Cup in the last minute um, at Brisbane Road right back in what was that 87 not as it nervous as us guys 86 right. 87 was it <laughs> well it was um, well to be fair I've not always been uh, been blessed with the uh, being being the brightest person in the world but uh, <laughs> I um, I forgot I was the uh, the penalty taker if I'm truthful um, <laughs> and the reason being we, we changed it over I can't believe I think we were up at Wolves and uh, and I think it was Chris Jones and he missed and so on, on paper it was for me to do it I've put myself forward for it and it was literally right okay and I think it was John Cornwall that just threw the ball at me and it was like oh right I think I've got to do it uh, so was I nervous of course I was but um, and then you missed <laughs> you it was a retake wasn't it no yeah no 
Was that the wrong? Oh no, I'm thinking of the wrong one. They got me. <laughs> Do you want live to have an argument about this? Don't you hate live radio when you make a boo boo? I said Billy Aaron was better than you. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, Billy Aaron is better than me. You're I don't right. think Cherry. Cherry. Do you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking You're of the thinking Oldham, the Oldham, the Oldham yeah. game. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. You're scr- the, what I was going to say with the West Ham game was the uh, Tommy Cunningham would have been in a lot of trouble by today's standards because he, he gave the finger to all the West Ham fans <laughs> yeah. on the goal, didn't he? He stood there and did a big pose with the finger raised. He did. He and, did. Uh, naughty boy, Tommy. <laughs> Talking of penalties. Andy Terry did don't think you ever missed one for us did you I missed three you missed three I got one and missed three <laughs> I found it easier having a wall and being I'm 25 I'm, yards I'm out I'm you were Matt Lockwood just, you know no honestly <laughs> yeah, I think Matt, Matt took a good mistakes. penalty I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, just help Andy out really with yeah, my uh, yeah. Yeah. keep no. making a mistake that's, that's the way to go. <laughs> I mean the, the thing is didn't you take a didn't you kick the keeper in the head who saved your goal kick well, your penalty that was Hartley Paul weren't it you kicked him in the head yeah, yeah. Brian Honor kept me on the pitch I should have got sent <laughs> off I, I, I did I, as he saved it I knew we weren't going to get there but I, I did a, Frank Talley his name was I think oh. and uh, yeah kicked him in the head it's right. a good picture about four big northerners standing over me with the next picture. question <laughs> next question from the, the Moving on. exotically named Smendrick Fieselberg <laughs> that's we his real that. name that's his real name yeah. did you say anything to Jimmy Bullard after you took him out <laughs> <laughs> in the West Ham United friendly for going in late on Alan Comfort. Do you remember that? Wow. Right. No, I've got to be honest, I don't. The only time I mean, I remember talking to Jimmy Bullard is uh, on the Algarve when we were playing golf with him. So I can't remember that in <laughs> any shape or form. Fair enough. Right, you owes, you owes, you owes. Uh, did Steve apply for the head coach job at late Norian at any time? No. No. Well, that's no. that. And I'll tell did Terry ever apply? That's what. <laughs> yeah. I'd, if Steve had asked me, I'd have come along with him just for the social. I'd have been the social like coach, secretary. Coach driver. Yeah, yeah, that'd been good enough. That was, I was at Chelsea for the last two years, I think, the coach driver. Right, where are we? Owlsbury O's. Uh, how did... I've got to read my own writing here. How did you move to Plymouth? Well, I expect they came in for you. Um, uh, and uh, how, how about uh, relocating to Devon? Was it easy for you? Uh, it was easy because I'd, uh, along with Terry, um, was uh, you know one of my other very very good friends in football, Kevin Nugent, and uh, you know Kevin took his girlfriend down there. I should have took my girlfriend down there. That didn't quite work <laughs> how we thought it would be. Within eight months, we were in a house together, and uh, the rest is history. That's that they say, really. Right. But uh, no, I mean, it was it, it was a fantastic lad, and it, we were really lucky. We we got six signings. We just went and got in a massive house in Plymouth, and it was. Uh, I've never been at uni, but probably that would be the sort of uh, fraternity house that it was. And uh, yeah, it was quite fun. I mean, the thing with the West Country is, I mean, I worked down there, I lived down there for four years, but I I did the ITV match down there for uh, for about six or seven seasons. And the trouble was, every away match was, it's like a four-day camel ride on there. It was was awful, wasn't it? Every away match. Yeah, and that's obviously why they've they've never really progressed. You know, I mean, Plymouth got themselves up to the championship, but when they did, Sturrock flew them everywhere. And then uh, typical of the South West, they, uh, yeah. um, the, the airport the, the, the airport shut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they can't do that anymore. <laughs> so the only chance they've got is Exeter of getting any any uh, success. But uh, no, nah, it's a great it's a great place to live. But so, so far away, it's it unbelievable. I, I couldn't agree more. It's a wonderful place to live. But uh, as you say, it's they call everything up country, don't they? Everything's up country from down yeah. there, and it's a it's a difficult place. Right, Thor's been in touch. So you started out the O's. Does the club have a special place in your 
life. And did you feel the same way like that about any other club that you signed for? Well, it, you know, in total, I, 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 you know, I've already spoke about the, the last two years, but I had 11 years here. And, uh, you know, they, they were great times. You know, and I you know, was lucky enough that I was club captain. Uh, I was playing, you know, when not injured. I had some really, really good mates around me and we were all mostly single. And uh, we had probably the time of our lives. You know, we probably are looking at hell now. And we, you know, the the the, 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 the holidays, the, the 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 Saturday nights. It was uh, they were so memorable, and, and, and we were really really close. Um, the only thing I'm probably looking at it probably on a football way. Otherwise, we could, probably should have had a little bit more success because the quality of football of footballers that we had were uh, were out of this world. So are you going to spill any beans, any gossip? No, all I would, all I would say, we, we, like people often ask me about the, the money side of it and how much money they're on, which I'd say good luck to them. But what I say to them, they, they couldn't live the life we led. We had, we probably didn't realise at the time, we were living like kings, really. You know, it, we were coming and going as we please. I mean, Frank, Frank was very good on that. He, he basically would say, as long as you don't get yourself like putting put in the nick or you're not bothering people, you know... <laughs> He was, he was fine like it, you know, he turned up for training on time, turned up the game, and he was good like that. But we did, we, we had a fantastic time, and as Steve said, there was a group probably about, and it wasn't a clique, you know, people could come if they wanted, if they didn't, you know, we weren't all the same, but there were six or seven of us that would go out regular, and it was fantastic, you know, and I think it, I think it helps with a team, helps morale, helps the confidence of a team. Yeah, and it's, it's nice to see that all these years later you're still in touch and you're still friends. That's, uh, that's a sign of good bonding earlier on, isn't it? Yeah, but I think the thing with footballers, I mean, me and Steve don't see that much of each other, but when we've had the reunions at the club, it's like you've seen them yesterday, you know. Definitely. That's what it's like, you know, because you say them, them bonds are forever. Right, up Mr O, at school, were you selected for the district or the county? And were there other young people around you you thought were better than you at the time? Oh, definitely. I've, uh, I've actually... Um, just done a podcast lately someone my nephew's trying to get my profile up I don't know what that's all about so I've agreed to do that and talking about that and yeah as a kid um, the the amount of footballers and, and good footballers that were around me I was totally in awe of and I can roll them off like and I'm sure Terry could because he was a you know a, a higher established club than uh, Leighton Orient I mean I did spend a bit of time at Tottenham before getting kicked out and David Kerslake, Martin Hayes, Des Walker, uh, Tony Adams, because we th- that era and you could literally go and train where you liked until you signed uh, schoolboy forms. And so, you know, the, the, the names, Keith Jones, Robert Cogner, they all rolled off and they've all had careers and like fantastic careers as well. So for me, you know, me developing as a as a 14 to 16 year old, it was like, wow, I'm never going to get to these levels. And just uh, lucky enough, got a got an apprenticeship and, and probably just progressed in that between that that period of being 16 to 18. Yeah, I mean, you're one of those people who uh, probably people like me really probably hated you at school because you were good at a number of sports <laughs> where most of us aren't even good at one so he was good uh, at cricket because he caught me out yeah, for Redbridge schools you caught me behaving. out I still don't like that we do go back quite a, quite a few years well how I was on about 16 and then Terry Howard caught me out I was so upset because I was on for a record score there as it came out of the sky he said oh sorry and this <laughs> caught the ball but uh, no, I mean I've seen you play tennis and I've got to tell the listeners that you know you play Chris Sorosic. Now, Chris 
could have played tennis professionally. He could. His brother was a professional for a while, anyway, on the tour. Um, Chris had a choice, and he went with football. But you played him, and you held your own, didn't you? Well, you've got a good memory. Good memory. I've never even thought Well, you actually about drew a songs, crowd. So. They, they played, I think, was over at, well, was it not Ashton playing fields, but somewhere, Woodford or somewhere, such a long time ago. And people started to watch. People actually came around and started watching it because the, the pace of the, the pace of it was really, mm. really good standard. There was another good t- tennis player in Greg Berry. I think it was his dad was a, a tennis pro. Or was oh, a, right. He was a, a fantastic player. But... It was that it was that era though, Andy. We just tried everything. We played it, and once you've got ball to eye contacts, it's sort of like, yeah, go on, we'll give it a go. I you mean, like sort of ball to eye contact. Simon's been in touch to say he, he was playing cricket against you, and you got bowled straight into the nose. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, as I say, you played on with blood everywhere. Oh, well, I might have done, yeah, <laughs> but I think I shot my my uh, my twelve year old kid who was down the other end. He thought I was dead, but uh, <laughs> blood everywhere. Now that was uh, that was friendly uh, Leighton Orient Cricket Club supporters club. <laughs> nice no, that was. Uh, but no, we we have a um, yeah. we've got a little team local to me, Thorley Cricket Club, and we have a, an annual. Uh, event and uh, and we see a few of the the, the Orient supporters do, that do it. Not obviously not from my, the time that we were all around there, but uh, yeah, it's still good that uh, there's an association. And you still play? Uh, ish, yeah, yeah. I try and uh, I try and keep out the field in and uh, just have a bat and mainly umpiring. I think. Right, red in the face has been in touch on the message board. What was the difference did you find between the managerial styles of Frank Clark? Peter Eustace and uh, Taylor, Tommy Taylor. Well, right now you're asking. Frank was an honest lad, uh, and I think you 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 got what you saw. Um, I think he quite liked the firm discipline, um, but I think if you've done everything right and you were one of his uh, favourites, which I'm quite confident to say that us two in this room were um, and we were regulars I think you get looked after and I think Terry alluded to it earlier on you know sort of he would give you that freedom to to do what you like Uh, Peter Eustace was quite unique Uh, not really my cup of tea Um, I think uh, he desperately wanted to be this tough nut um, but he weren't fooling me Um, Tom I like Tommy. Obviously, I've got um, I've got um, his boy uh, in with me at this moment in time. He's our fitness coach up at Royston, and and Tom does a few bits and pieces for me. He's, he's over in India at the moment, um, and you know we had a few fallouts, and and I think he's probably his main thing was obviously I wasn't fit, and and <laughs> so uh, but yeah, no, I mean I think all of them had their uh, had their qualities. Um, but uh, I would say, and I would, you know, if you wanted me to rank it, I would, I would put Frank at the top of that. Do you, I mean, well, one question here from John from Suffolk said, uh, do you think we should have avoided relegation under Frank Clark? And you referred apparently to some of the players not being fully committed. Yeah, and, and it's the reason I think we, we spoke about this off air and, and I was 18. And if I've, if I've said that as an 18-year-old or even if I've said that recently, one, I can't remember it, but two, I shouldn't have had no right to say that because <laughs> they're all older pros and, and better and staged to, uh, to to deal with a rele- relegation campaign than what I was. I, I, I played two or three times. Um, it, it was a disappointment and, uh, you know, I, I do remember it. Um, but uh, 
I'll probably chalk it off to my CV. Well, we're coming towards the end, but Mungo's been in touch. Having managed at Royston since uh, 2013, would you like to manage at a higher level? Yeah, I'd love to. Love to. I mean, um, uh, it's one of them, I think, you've, you've... you, you have to have some realism about things. You know, I've uh, I've been an assistant at conference level. I think I'd probably have to be managing at, at, at conference level um, or conference south, north maybe, and, and excelling. You know, I mean, the Cowleys probably are an exception to the rule with that. You know, I mean, they've done amazing. Um, and obviously they're, they're, at, uh, they're at Huddersfield now. You know, local lads and, you know, sort of gone from uh, Concord, pushing them for all the way through from the Essex Senior League to Conference South, going off to Braintree, getting them in the in the final. And so they've they've you know they've they've done you know what they, they should have done and they've got their opportunity and done amazingly at Lincoln and, and so on to Huddersfield. So I see that probably being my route, but you know, we know you're in with a shot, aren't you? I mean you're you're what, two uh, two wins or two matches away from Wembley, uh, with your with your Royston team and you're in with a shout of promotion to the conference. Yeah, no, we're having a fantastic season. You know, I mean, like sort of the, you know, we, we've got a good good group of uh, of players uh, that are believing in themselves more and more. You know, it's a little bit like what we were saying at the start of the hour, really. That, you know, sort of with 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 the O's and the more games you're playing and the the, the more victories you're getting, you know, it, it starts to be a snowball effect in a positive way, and uh, and that's how it is happening at uh, with us at this moment in time. But some of the headaches you get as a non-league manager, we've got a, about a minute and a half here. But uh, you're telling me you, you've got all these things. Your ducks are in a row here. You're in the quarterfinals of the cup. You remember the chance of promotion, and your star player tells you what? Uh, sorry, Gaffer. I've uh, I've got an opportunity to go on holiday with my new girlfriend for three and a half weeks. <laughs> and you've got to let him go, have you? Uh, well, I've got to either sack him or let him go. And he's such an awesome player. What do I do? So, uh, <laughs> so he's, he's back. He's back in time for the quarterfinal. I understand. He's back on the day of the quarterfinal. So uh, I'm not. I'm not giving me tactics away just yet. But uh, we'll be hoping that he comes back a little bit earlier. Right, well, I'm just going to change subjects here just for a second and uh, put out a little appeal here because um, Karen's just walked into the room and uh, her relative is a little girl called Bethany who's uh, got a life-limiting illness and she's in hospital where she spent most of her life in hospital and it's her 16th birthday uh, next week and uh, they're trying to get her as many birthday cards as possible. So what we would like the Orient fans to do is send a card to Bethany for her 16th birthday and I'm going to give you an address here. It's just Bethany care of five Helmores, that's H-E-L-M-O-R-E-S, Basildon, Essex, SS15, 6SA, that's uh, SS15, Sierra Sierra, 156 Sierra Alpha. And um, get those cards in for Bethany, make it a special day for her from everybody. Well, we're nearly out of time here. It's just time to thank Terry for coming in. Thanks, lovely to be here again. And uh, Darren and uh, Barry, who's asleep over the back there. Sorry, <laughs> and of course to uh, to Steve for coming in. Andy, just before we go, can we put that address on the website as well, please, so everyone, in case people can get it down. We will do, and we'll catch you again uh, next week on another edition of the Orient Hour. I think I've got about uh, ten seconds, have I? Fifteen, in fact. So yeah, that was a good ending, wasn't it? Could have uh, played some music. I'd just like to say thank you to everybody that's going to send a birthday card to Bethany. It'd be much appreciated. Thank you, everybody. We'll catch you next Thursday, 7pm.
hour across Brentwood and Billericay. This is Phoenix.